0: When I was in the rain and learned to develop acceptance, it taught me everything looking into my reflection. I'll be damned if I know my flaws and won't correct them. My name is Ben Lofermento, aka LoFro I am a YouTuber mindset expert and a student at the University of Maryland and you are listening to the Heads and Tails podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Somm, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. Today, I'm excited to have on Ben Lofermento, uh, who's a former basketball and tennis player. Uh, he's also a current college student at the University of Maryland. He's a YouTuber, he's a mindset expert. And I came across Ben's story through my friend, George Muha, uh, with More of Sussex Sports, who has a, also a, a great platform. And I just happened to come across it on like a Facebook Live, and I just started listening because I saw like Ben's road to recovery. I'm like, oh, this is probably like injury related and, you know, might be something that's up my alley. And I was honestly like blown away at what a 19 year old kid was kind of talking about and was able to comprehend about his injury and internalizing it and making something great out of something that was probably pretty traumatic to him at the time. So we're going to dive into that story today and kind of some healthy outlets that he found after his sports career was, or his basketball career was over or prematurely ended that I found to be super impressive and interesting. And yeah, with that, let's get started. So
0: Ben, welcome, my brother. Uh, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really, uh, that intro is awesome. I'm ready to get it right into it. Let's go. Cool. So what I was alluding to before of a,
1: of a healthy outlet that Ben had found was he started writing music and Ben's only 19 right now, right?
0: Yes, that is true.
1: So you're close to the youngest, if not the youngest guest I've had on the podcast to date. So it's interesting to me because like things that you figured out at 17, 18, 19 are things that took me till I was 26 to figure out in terms of this like transformation life after sports. So you got into music writing. So let's talk about the injury that led to that first. So take us through that, that knee injury.
0: All right. So I just want to set the scene a little bit before the injury because it does play like a big part into everything. I actually didn't even mention this on my first podcast with George, but I'll get into it because I think it's interesting. Going into my freshman year of high school or after my freshman year, I was the MVP of my freshman team. I was the leading scorer and I was looking at varsity time going into my sophomore year of high school basketball was a really big outlet for me at that point, especially it was just something that I put myself towards. It it gave me that sense of progression, yada, yada. But then basically my sophomore year, I just burned out. Like I just, I've just played basketball so much. I kind of lost the fun of it. So I told my coach at that point, like I wasn't ready to play. So I said, coach, listen, like I can't do this right now. I'm going to come back when that fire comes back because basketball and sports are supposed to be fun. And I understand that there's difficulty with it, but if I'm dreading going to practice, then that that's not right. So At that point, you could say in hindsight, like I did quit on myself, right? I I quit on myself. I kind of went through this phase of like, I don't really care, you know, doing things I shouldn't have been doing bad influences and not really self-governing myself, realizing that like I have the power, I have the ability to, to be better, right? Or whatever. So basically going into my senior year, what really prompted me to come back to basketball was the fact of what was happening at home with my parents. So my parents, you know, they basically, their relationship wasn't always great. And they just kept arguing more. Basically, long story short, my home was like very toxic. So, in the summer, when my parents decided to like get a divorce, and it it just, my household became very toxic, right? Because like they're going to court and they're worried about what they're doing. And here I am now realizing like, man, like I got to get back on myself because my parents aren't watching over me. I realized that these two years that like I haven't really cared, like that's not satisfying. It made me having that, like it was a little voice and you, you might be able to relate in my head kind of nudged me like, "Mm, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You should really be lifting weights. You should be, you should be doing something that is high energy, that that has a lot of purpose. So then finally I just gave in. I'm like, all right, I got to get back to the team. So I get back to the team. I'm lifting weights and I, I wasn't lifting weights before this. I was still playing basketball, you know, for fun, but I wasn't taking it like as seriously. I was lifting weights. I was with the team again. I was every single day, summer workouts, like people are going to concerts. I'm working. My parents are doing this, I'm working. And it it was just this level of commitment and level of self-govern. I was self-governing myself. So that obviously felt very good. And speaking to outlets before getting into the music, That was my outlet because obviously there's emotional trauma and it's traumatic and whatever psychological and anger and resentment and my lack of peace that I'm experiencing. So I had to put that somewhere and it was going negative or it was going positive. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go play basketball. Fast forward to the fall, my senior year. I'm getting up at 5 a.m. shooting basketballs. Like I'm I'm taking it seriously. We're working out every day. We have trainers at school, all that. And I'm feeling good because now I have this sense of progression. I have this sense of, you know, I'm really putting work into myself, I'm cultivating a sense of self-respect and going into the season, I'm feeling good because in my head, it's like, wow, this summer and fall, they weren't the reward. The, the reward is the season. The reward is me seeing myself on a big head. The reward is like all that. But one day in weight room, I do a squat or something and my knee just goes, something goes. And I'm like, okay, like that's not good. I, I Something is clearly wrong. So I'm at, I'm at tryouts. Now I just got an MRI and my mom text me 15. And I remember this clear as day. I'm never going to, honestly, I probably will never forget it, but I'm at tryouts 15 minutes left in tryouts. My mom texts me, Ben, your MRI just came back. You tore your meniscus. You're out for the season. So for me, it was all of the work and what the season meant to me. Like it's, it's, it wasn't just a regular standard basketball season. It was like all this six months was me learning to respect myself again. Right. So like that nailed me it totally nailed me. And like, I have a hole in my room in my wall. Cause I threw, I was home. I was crying. I was everything because it wasn't about playing basketball. It was about what like all of that had meant to me. It was the, the, the reward was essentially like I had gone through and endured tough times. And now I'm reaping a fruit. A comeback, and then we, we, right. And we can get into more about the music, but I, I will say it took the, a couple of days after surgery for me to realize and everything snapped in. Like that wasn't the reward was the self-respect. The reward was the process of me realizing that I'm capable, more capable than what I think like that was the reward. And then as we're going to get into, like, I applied that to making music. So in George's podcast, you, you said a
1: quote, it was like, one's ability to adjust and having a capacity to adapt is, is important. I forget the exact quote, but it was something along those lines. So can you take us through how you adapted from that knee injury and kind of transition that into the music and what like sparked the, hey, you know what, I think I want to start you know writing some songs and start recording?
0: So it was always something that I've wanted to do. It was something like, I I mean, especially because my age, like we love rap music. We love you know, being creative and all that. So in during the phase of when I was getting the MRI to when I got the results, I mean, I, I pretty much knew because knowing my body, like I was not OK. And I assumed or figured that I wasn't going to be able to play the season, honestly. So then I was talking to my friends and I just was like, OK, listen, I'm either going to make an album or I'm going to play basketball. It's one of the two. So however things shape is, you know, what's going to happen. So when, you know, I got that news and I and I had the surgery and I'm just, you know, on the couch behind me, you know, for a week or two, just recovering. Like, I don't know if you know about the knee, like the device. So basically your knee's kind of like this and you just kind of go up like 60 degrees every day. And it's just like your knee is just learning how to bend again. So I remember I was writing music and my computer, like every rotation would like, you know, it, it would cramp all up. So I was literally just letting my resentment and negativity out through the music it was it was really a therapeutic way of like just processing and it was it made me and we've talked about this before like it made me feel so much more satisfied because it still feels like I'm making progress and regardless of whether like I make it it wasn't about making money off the music it was about like I said like the feeling of like that I'm doing something and, and making myself better in some sort of capacity.
1: Yeah. Can you talk more about that progress piece? Like you felt like you were making progress, like, although it wasn't towards basketball or a sport, you felt like you were making progress. Like, can you just
0: dive in a little bit more uh, to that feeling? Right. So I think going back to the summer, like with my parents divorcing and, and I wasn't healed at that point because it was like spiteful. It was like, you guys are going to do this. So I'm going to go play basketball. It wasn't because I loved myself. It was yes, that that emotion is powerful and that emotion like motivated me. But in the end, that emotion is self-destructive, if that makes sense. So I consider the progress even now that I'm talking to you, two ways one like okay i'm making music i'm learning new skills i'm learning how to you know use recording software i'm learning how to write music i'm learning how to critique myself and i'm learning how to what sounds good what doesn't what i like because i put out 12 songs but i probably wrote 15. and it was it was like that self-criticism of just having a standard but more so what the music allowed me to do was it allowed me to heal and make peace with things so I was writing the music and by the end of it, I felt so much more of like a, a peaceful state because of it.
1: No, that that's great. And just from listening to you talk right right there, I got two things that I that came to mind. The first one is distraction and the other one is progress. And when I think about my own, you know, transformational life after sports, and I always call it transformation. I never used to until I interviewed this one guest, Vince Ruiz, he called it a transformation. And when I thought about it, I'm like, oh crap, like transition, you're just kind of like going through the motions, like letting whatever waves smack you around and like whatever life throws at you versus transformation. It takes action. It takes initiative. It takes, you need to do something to get yourself to transform. It doesn't just happen from sitting around. So to me, every transformation needs to probably start off as a distraction from like your feelings that, are, that you're having, you know, those immediate, like, I'm pissed, I'm upset, I'm this, I'm that. You need that spark to be like a distraction at first, but then love the progress that comes with it. Because I think from being an athlete, that's part of the fun. Like, it's not just like playing the game. It's like getting better. And I think that's what athletes miss the most when their sport's taken from them is that ability to see progress on a daily basis. So what's cool to see about your songwriting is like, it seems like you had an interest in it even before the basketball season, but you dove into it afterwards because you had the time and the resources to do it and it served as a distraction and the progress that you made gave you enough of a fire to want to keep going and to produce something that was, you know, pretty incredible. And the song that you sent to me, I listened to it probably 10 times just trying to dissect like the different quotes that you had in there, but it's called Talk To Him. And it really resonated with me. And my first question was like, well, who is he talking to? And in my head, like, I think I know who you're talking to. My interpretation is you're talking to your thoughts. What was your intention
0: when you were writing it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think about it like that. It was kind of just like a, a catchy chorus and it meant something to me when i said it i think it's like my the the negative thoughts the thoughts of like you can't do this and talking to them with like the because all right before we get into the song like and we'll link this up in the in the show notes so everyone can take a listen to the full <laughs> Please, uh, the full clip too. yeah you know don't get it twisted like i was working out twice a day like i was literally my mindset changed it was when i got that surgery it was all right so if you think of like a beach right like a, like cold waves crashing I wasn't scared of the waves. Like I was just, I just dove in head first. I was like, you know what? Who would be doing pull-ups right now with a torn meniscus? Who would be wearing a weighted vest? Who would be working out every day? Like in my mindset just shifted where I was going into that. So like my negative thoughts, it was like, F you, like I'm not that, like I'm look at what I'm doing. And even though my body is broken right now, and that's, that's the line we're going to get to use my mind to make a weapon, turn it to my armory. It's that hardening. It's like when you, when you're working out, you get calluses on your hand. So it's like, why couldn't I callus over the limitations that I'm perceiving?
1: Yeah, I love that. And when you were just talking about that line before, you're talking about like diving into a cold wave. From my experience, when I hear you say that, I hear of like diving into the unknown. Basketball was known. You kind of knew what was going to happen what what coach was going to have you do at practice, what the game was kind of be like, but you know, getting a torn meniscus, you never experienced that. So that's the unknown. And I think not even just athletes, but a lot of people, they're afraid to dive into the unknown. The problem is like that's where the magic happens. That's life.
0: Exactly. Kevin, think about it for you, right? Like you were probably way less scared to start your podcast and more excited because of what you've been through because you had a reference point of like, I thought it was this and then I went through it and I realized that I'm better than that. So now in other capacities of your life, you are now better equipped and like you're, you have like a map. It's like you it's, there are different situations, but at the end of the day, the formula is the same. Like there's adversity. You go through it, you test what you think about yourself, and then you get better. And that's that's kind of what you've gone through as well.
1: Well, I mean, I think your line explains it perfect. You know, like I used the pain to make my mind a weapon, turned it into my armory. And if you take it in terms of like my context, like what you just said, I got hurt, struggled for years took the initiative to dive into the unknown, which was podcasting. And you're right. It has, because I took that step, it's, I've gained a different additional skills that I never would have had if I never tried it. So I just think like that example in your own example of doing the music is a good example for athletes listening to this being like, Hey, don't be afraid to try that new thing that could serve as a distraction. And then you get addicted to the progress and then it becomes like your new outlet. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So I guess before we drive too far away from my initial quote that I was talking about, which was who you're talking to, when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, he's like talking to his negative thoughts. But you're saying initially
0: that wasn't what you were thinking or... I mean, talk to him. I don't know. Songwriting is weird because you start with the line and it could be the first line of like the verse. it could be the chorus. So I don't know. Talk to him came and I just, I just ran with it. And I, and I really feel like the, the verses are really where my, my, what I was feeling comes through.
1: Okay. All right. So next one, I had a torn meniscus, maybe me compromise the mission made me livid and malicious. So talk to me about that and what feelings were going through your head when you wrote that line down.
0: Right. Made me livid and malicious. Yeah. Because at that point, if you, like I said, if you think about all of the, and I'm, by the way, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. I don't believe that I'm a victim. Oh, just, d- yeah, trust I'm, me. I'm, anyone
1: yeah. listening to you would definitely not think yeah, that. That, is not, that. You is wouldn't not, be on this
0: podcast if I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. So like, if you think about now my frustrations, because I wanted, like I said, it was that proving myself and what I could do. And then like my parents and all that, I had so much negative emotion. That's like a force. All of that force was going one area. And now all of a sudden that like, road is stopped and it's still here. So now think about all that negativity that's circulating in me and my psyche and my thoughts. So it made me livid and malicious because before that switch flipped of like, this is an opportunity to test yourself. And it, it was, and I wasn't like a, and I, I do feel like people who go through surgeries are in a victim phase for like a little bit. I think that's just kind of just natural. Of yeah. I think yeah. it just happens. So when I was in that victim phase, it's, it's kind of just like, man, like I feel like I was robbed. And, and I said this on the other podcast, all athletes look at it, if you're like fundamentally like a pessimistic, negative minded person, you look at it as something was taken away. But in hindsight, it's like you and I have a gear that normal people don't. It's like when things get hard, you have like a reference of experiences. I've been through that. I have something to prove that I am that I that I am strong. I can take that. So it's like you have and, and we both of us do have like a, a certain perspective. So I stopped looking at it for what I lost and for what I gained. I
1: think we both take for granted like, how easily you adopted that mindset. I know for you at 19 years old, like you saying that, I'm like, oh, wow, that's like really impressive that that's the way he thinks. But when I think back to when I was your age, I was still in the, I lost something. It was taken away from me. And when I look at it now, it's like, I wrote down helpless when you were talking about the, being the victim. And when you feel helpless, I feel like there's almost no worse feeling like you're almost like in prison, like by your own thoughts and mentality, which is like the scariest place to be. But what I hope is that an athlete listening to you and your story realizes that, Hey, you know, Ben made this switch with his mindset pretty early on and look what he did. Look where he's at right now. I definitely don't have the optimism that Ben has right now. Like maybe I should switch my mindset and be like, yeah, well, what am
0: I gaining from this and stuff like that? So Okay, first off, that was an excellent thought that you just talked about. like you're free externally, but internally, you're trapped. And I think that a lot of people deal with that, whether it's athletes or not. like it's how much like or how many negative thoughts do we impose on ourselves that shackle us. And besides, like I'm just talking about the mindset now, but the mindset was a product of the work. It was, okay. I'm looking myself in the mirror with a brace on my knee, and I'm still doing pull-ups. Therefore, this is my mindset. So I think to, like a quick suggestion to anyone who feels imprisoned by any sort of like capacity of their belief systems, it's your action and your mindset. As soon as one changes, the other's gonna change. You start working out, you start treating yourself like someone worth respecting, you're gonna start respecting yourself. So it's like how many times can you impose positive habits and positive actions before you look at yourself as a positive person?
1: No, I, I agree, man. I, I like that. All right, let's talk about another line. We got had to make a pivot. Had to change my thoughts to optimistic, kind of what we're talking about right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just an adjustment when you realize that, you know, being negative only hurts you. And I think like people who are negative think that, I don't know, you think that other people are feeling your pain, but there's a quote from Buddha. I'm not as into like Hinduism or anything, but I still, I read a lot. So like I know you will not be hurt for your anger. You will be hurt by your anger. So it's just kind of making amends and making peace. Like there's no healthy amount of resentment. There's, that's not a thing. But I
1: think taking action, like writing a song like this, helps to get you away from that helplessness. Like You immediately become helpless as soon as you start taking a step into the unknown and trying something new that maybe you didn't know before, I think. So another line I thought was cool was, I use charisma and sorcery to
0: make that harmony. What's that one? Hmm. See, that one kind of just sounded cool. (laughs) See, actually, that's actually one of the verse before that. There's one, when I was in the rain and learned to develop acceptance, it taught me everything. Looking into my reflection, I'll be damned if I know my flaws and won't correct them. That one is my, my favorite, actually. But we could talk about no go for it yeah i got that one yeah okay so when i was in the rain i learned to develop acceptance because and then there's another line that goes off that it took me to lose luxuries to make discoveries it's a certain sense of like you know you have all everything around you and come and in comfort and you can kind of go into distractions you don't have to go within you don't have to look at like the questions that you really should be facing so when you lose that and everything's taken away, and all you're left with is yourself. You make discoveries, like you go in and you find and you pull something out. But yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's just that capacity to self-reflect. And I don't think a lot of people have that or think that they have the strength, like to look in the mirror and say, I gotta improve. Like looking at your body and saying, you know what, I'm not moving the right way, or looking at how you approach things, you know, I'm not studying hard enough. I'm not doing this, I'm not giving a hundred percent. And when you look at yourself, and and that takes a certain amount of accountability, vulnerability, courage, but like. When you do that, like I said, it's that newfound self-respect. And then the last one is know my flaws. I'll be damned if I know my flaws and won't correct them. It's like when something's on your radar, you got to address it. Like I'll, I'll, I will not go to the grave knowing that this is something that I should have addressed and didn't because that is the worst feeling. That's that's helplessness. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And kind of what I even just listening to you kind of dissect the song a little bit more. And I actually wrote down next to that the quote that sparked that little part of the conversation was, you know, I use charisma and sorcery to make that harmony when I was listening to it. Cause I, here's, here's my thing. My context is like, the only context I have is the brief phone call we had together and watching you on George's podcast. So what I got from that is the, how, what I mean by that is how you show up and how you carry yourself. And like, when you're in that helpless state as an athlete, like you're like, that's not me. Like, I'm not, this isn't me. Like, what am I doing? And if you're a helpless athlete, like you're probably sitting on the bench because you're not going to be an effective, like competitor being helpless ever. So any athlete that gets hurt, if you find yourself getting in like a helpless position, being like, had that trigger to be like, yo, this isn't me. Like, what am I doing here? And maybe take that step to do something else to get to, you know, knock, knock yourself out of it. But no, I thought
0: that, I thought that was great, man. Well, maybe, maybe the charisma and I like you're saying the how it's, it's that mindset, like turning to optimistic. It's the perspective of like, I'm not going to physical therapy, mad or resentful. I'm going like, I'm going in here to not only make myself better, but like, make sure I'm saying hello to everyone, making sure that I'm asking about their days. It's just like, just the how of everything, like breeding more compassion and more just, you know, it, cause not only with my drive, but like making sure I'm making the world a better place. And that, that's something that I'm big on now. It's really big on now. Yeah.
1: One of my previous guests, um, his name is Bill Anthes. is a former Green Beret. And I got this how concept from him. He's helped me tremendously with my mentality throughout this whole kind of experience and transformation uh, to life after sports. And I think that's what I was getting at when I was talking about the how is like my experience with my interactions with you and watching your YouTubes, like basically like what Bill would say is like, who you are isn't what you do. It's like how you bring yourself every single day. You know, and when I see you, you're someone that brings positivity constantly just in your inflection in your voice like you're engaging you want to help people like that's who you are it's how you you carry yourself every day so that's i think what i was trying to get at is like if you see yourself catching or getting into that helpless mindset change your how and how you show up and how you talk to yourself and stuff like that even to other people all right i don't know if we talked about this one yet when i was in the rain i learned to develop acceptance
0: So yeah, I mean I touched on it a little bit, but yeah, it's just that when everything is taken away, being able to this is more of like an emotional thing, right? Because like I said, when I got injured, it's like my parents and I wanted the season, I wanted this, and there's so much like mm, tension, like I wanted that. And it was taken. And it's honestly like I'm so happy and positive now that it's hard for me to like go back to that time because that was so long. It was over two years ago. So it's like. But like the lessons I've learned from it are are still here. But yeah, I think it's just a matter. And I guess that helped with my shoulder as well. But it's just, you know, when things aren't going well, understanding the process of life, like there are just natural ups and downs. And it's not like that's a bad thing. It's just like it's going back to Darwin. Like if I can accept that, if I can roll with it, if, if all I have to do is compliment it. If life has a natural melody, I don't. I'm not trying to change the chords. I just want to play music on my end to make the best piece.
1: One more quote I pulled, unless you have any other ones that you want to add in there, which is cool with me.
0: It says, I do this for myself. I don't need the clout. <laughs> That's a funny one. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just that sense of, I think this is like a bigger picture. I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but I think it's a bigger picture where people who look for their respect in external things just, and I made a video on my YouTube about this. I called it, um, you're rolling dice. rolling dice with your happiness because okay i'm coming on this podcast the only way i'm going to feel good about myself is if kevin gives me good feedback right like that may or may not happen but if i come onto this podcast and say i'm going to be happy If I bring my best self and I articulate myself how I want to, I'm going to be happy every time. So it was really like, listen, I'm not doing this for other people. I'm not doing this for how you look at me. I'm doing this for how I look at myself. And hopefully that could help other people. But at the end of the day, it's about how I look at myself. And that's what that's about.
1: No, I think that's. A perfect point to make. And I'm glad I pulled that quote out because even when I think about the podcast, like, so for me or for you, it was the music potentially that kind of helped you, you know, get out of your funk. For me, it was the podcast, which happened to be like six or seven years after I got hurt, but I eventually figured it out. But people always ask me, like, oh, like, what's your goals with this? I'm like, honestly, like, I just do it for myself. Like, I've gotten like more therapeutic, I guess, insights from interviewing athletes like yourself and other, you know, health experts over the past five years at this point that I'm like, I don't even care if people listen to it or like it. Like I, I just want to do it because it's something that's important to me. And if other people can benefit from it, awesome. But I think because I took away that external, the need for external reinforcements. Yeah. Like that's why I'm still sitting here today, five years later, doing this and talking to you because I just want to do it. Like I like doing it. <laughs>
0: Well, I also think that's why your podcast is viewed a lot and it's, and it's obviously has its platform is because you're grounded in the right, your soil's right. Like you are focused on the product and the internal and how it makes you feel. So therefore the podcast is good and people sense that, right? Like you're not chasing anything. So the best things are brewed inside and then they happen to go outside. But if you switched your focus, then it would be different.
1: So were there any other healthy outlets that you found during the recovery process that kind of
0: helped you or- yeah. Okay. So one, I went to a therapist and I've, I believe that the, first off the stigma around therapy, in my opinion is, is just ridiculous because this is therapy to an extent. This is what therapy is. It's you giving yourself the the space to tell a story, to get your feelings out and someone listens and they happen to have professional degrees and all that to back them up. And then you talk and you work things out. So you know, that, that peaceful feeling I would not have reached without therapy. And I also, you know, meditate and journal and just be, I'm very self-reflective and I just give myself that time. So those were, those were tools for sure.
1: Yeah. I never really gotten into the meditation thing. I've tried it a couple of times. I was like, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's not for me. I feel like I have other forms of meditation potentially. Like I love riding my bike, my road bike, although it's like you're exerting yourself and you're you have to be like alert to some degree. It's not like you're just like alone with your thoughts. you like kind of are alone with your thoughts. I feel like I do like my best thinking or my most deepest thinking like when I'm just riding my bike by myself for fifty miles.
0: Well, I think I've experienced something similar, like I do this thing on the elliptical, I call it soul diving, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's I, I call it soul diving, so it's like all right. I am not getting off this elliptical until I have to. And I put a towel on the timer and I just see how long I can go. And I'm just trying to manage like the psychological, of because at some point, it's a couple minutes, I'm going to feel great. Oh, I'm fired up. Oh, I want to get off. Da, 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 right? So it's just managing that mental talk. But the reason I bring it up is because at some point you hit this like state of bliss where your body is kind of just on autopilot and you're in this very like relaxed, calm and you're not focused on anything you're just like and you probably hit that with your bike then that's why i brought it up
1: yeah no it's a great point that's very uh bill Anthes between the ears esque. uh shout out to to him and what he's up to you should check it out too you'd be interested in his in his work he's the guy that was talking about what the how i'll I'll link i'll I'll send some links i'll link it up in the podcast too you had mentioned on our phone call that you were you started selling sweatshirts too in high school what you're wearing now
0: yeah, I figured I'd throw it on. <laughs> All right, yeah. cool. So yeah, yeah. So
1: tell me about that and that initiative and if that had any help in your transformation.
0: My rap name, I don't know if it's backwards, but it says auto BRL. So Ben Ryan Lofermento, that's my name. And auto, is short for automatic. It's kind of just like, I thought that's, I rap very like technically. So I, I figured that would be kind of a cool name. But besides that, yeah. So I just, th- this is kind of a funny thing. So I started, I wanted to make a hoodie. Like I just I just kind of wanted to. It was just something that interested me. So I make the first batch or I show people screenshots of what they would look like, right? And I'm trying to get interest. I'm like, do you guys want some? I get about 20 people or I get, no, no, I get 40 people to, which is a lot because, you know, a lot of my friends, people in my high school who got some. So I get 40, I get them for 17, 18, selling for 20. So that's a pretty, it's an all right margin make a couple hundred bucks off them. And then, so that day I have them, bring them to school. Now, all of a sudden pe- the same people who I asked that said, no, now see everyone wearing them because now I, I, I intentionally gave them all out that day. So like everyone has them. So people are like, Oh my God, what's this? So immediately, like half a week later, 75 orders immediately increase my profit margin, like $8. Cause you ordered more. Yeah. Yeah because i figured at that point like there's a demand and it was kind of funny because people really like some people listen to my music but some people got them because it kind of became a cool thing to do but before i knew it like my the teachers i was going to class like the teachers that were teaching me had them and like i was a senior freshman had them everyone in the high school had them like there were 150 in my high school and it was just kind of a it was for me it was it wasn't really about the money although it was nice but it was cool that like this meant like my healing process. This is like, this is like the fruit for it. Right. Like I, knowing what the album meant to me and then seeing people buy it, like it really meant a lot to me. That's legit, dude. I'm
1: like so impressed by that whole thing. But to me, that's like another creative outlet and I have like an entrepreneurial itch too. And I like, I could do it all day and night. Like, it's just like fun to me. Like just trying it out. Yeah. The profit margins and this and that, like just, but it's learning and
0: progressing. It's fun.
1: Yeah. No, I love that though. So what's like the significance of the, um, yin yang.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for me at this point, I was, I was fairly spiritual and I was, I I was reading a lot. So to me, it just kind of represented where I was in terms of just balance. It was just trying to be peaceful.
1: Love that, man. Is that a hat you got on there too? Low for mental? I just hey, got this yeah. shout
0: out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, figured, I figured I'd come correct. <laughs> so, um, I actually have a low metal hoodie too. I don't. I haven't sold many, but if my YouTube ch- um channel gets more traction, I'll probably start selling more. I'm not sure, but I will probably give one of these away uh, when I hit a thousand subscribers. So, uh, okay. all
1: right, I'll be on the lookout, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll let you
1: know, <laughs> sweet man. No, I really like that sweatshirt story. That's awesome. But what I was thinking too is like you said, well, yeah, you, you like put or you uh finished your album, right? And people, a couple people bought the sweatshirt. But going back to the how and like, I, I don't, I didn't know you when you were in high school, but I know you kind of now. And I could just see like people wanted to be a part of your how, like how the energy that you bring is like probably why people wanted to
0: be a part of it. It was really cool. I mean, I was at this point, I I feel like I really became a different person. Like I I started caring about more because, you know, when you're an athlete, I mean, not every athlete, but some athletes kind of have like a superior sort of demeanor or whatever. But when you get punched in the mouth and it's not like that, like I feel like I became much more of like a. I I started checking in on people and, you know, texting people and really caring. And it's like that how like you're saying. And it was it was genuine. So, yeah, I I really do think that was part of it, too. And I appreciate you saying that.
1: Yeah, I'm big on toughness. And uh, I had that question at the end. And I always think like when I was 17, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm such a hard ass. I could freaking lift weights and, you know, score touchdowns. Like, Oh, I'm so cool. And when I think about it, I'm like, that's the easy thing. Like the fact that you dropped a rap album in the middle of your senior year of high school, sold these sweatshirts. Like that's vulnerability, dude. Like to put yourself out there and put these songs out there for the world to hear, like, that's the toughest thing you could have freaking done. And when I, I'm like, that's way tougher than playing football or playing any sport.
0: I give you props, man. I'm super impressed by that. Well, it was now that I'm really thinking about it, like my mindset was so it is. I don't think I'm ever going to get back to that point, but it was so internal. Like I did not care about people, how people perceive me. Like I It was so like, I'm doing this for me. This is my focus. This is my goal. And it was, that's why. So like, when you're telling me right now, you must've felt so vulnerable or nah. Like I was just doing what was in my heart. And if people judge me, then they judge me, but I knew I was being true.
1: Well, that's a super, uh, mature way to t- mindset to have. I, I'm going to be honest, like I mean, even to this day, I, like i still think about what other people are thinking or whatever, probably getting better, but all right. So you're also a stud tennis player. So tell us about playing tennis your senior year. And I'm curious, like if you, you went from being a stud in singles to now you have to play doubles. I, I think I learned on your podcast with george so i'm curious if
0: like there was a little bit of an ego struggle oh, there was there was yeah. my, one of my rackets could, could show you <laughs> <laughs> so all right so I'll, I'll tell you what happened so yeah um my tennis career i was a 30 win varsity player which was one of the best in my probably my last like the school's decade so i was a very good player you know i had some all county mentions all that whatever two-year captain three-year varsity player my junior year i played first singles i was ranked seventh in the county mars county is a very good county or pretty good county so i felt you know pretty good about that so going into my senior year i would have been the number one tennis player or at my school again and i I don't know what would have happened, but that was supposed to be me. And it, our team was actually supposed to be very good, which it still was, but it, it would have been. So anyway, now I have to play doubles because I'm still, honestly, I probably shouldn't have even even been playing. Like I, I couldn't really move like that, but you know my fundamentals, like my serve was still good. My forehand was still good. So I could play doubles and, and kind of hide my movement a little bit. However, how it works in, in varsity tennis at high school is you have a ladder, right? So because I was the number one ranked the year before, I was coming in as the number one that season. Um, regardless of my injury, I, that's, that's how it was. So I still had to lose matches to go down. And I knew, like, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to play singles, like, I I knew that. But playing that number one game and just not being able to play like just losing points that I wouldn't have lost it really you're like you're saying it was that in my head I knew I wasn't a number at that point like gonna do that but then literally giving it up like that was I smashed my racket I was I don't know why I was so mad like I knew it but it was my ego and and then like once once I calmed down I realized like just make the best of what you got this is not your control and just you know I ended up having a really doubles was really fun we finished 12 and 4 I had a really good time and I still, you know, really enjoyed that season.
1: Cool. At least you found, so yeah, you, you, you got over that little hump and still had it was, some fun. Yeah, so it that's was, cool. It was ugly. <laughs> All right. Anything else that came up for you that tennis season or?
0: Not really. I mean, it was just, it was just a, for me, like it was the it's spring of senior year. I was just enjoying it. You know, I was just trying my best to enjoy it. And I have a twin. So like just being around him and like my friends, some of my friends in the basketball team play. So just, you know, spending time with that was just my focus. Cool. I didn't
1: know you had a twin.
0: Yeah, I got a twin.
1: Is he like the same, same way? Like just loves to, uh, big mindset guy or athlete too?
0: Or yeah, he's an athlete. I would say I'm a better athlete. No, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> say. I'm not say. But no, my brother is very, like, he's very government oriented, very history oriented. Like he got fives on all his AP tests. He's, he's really, um, intelligent that way. So there are definitely, it's cool. Like we get along so well together. And I love my brother. Um, shout out to Luke. So, yeah, it's cool for me. Like, I never try to compare myself to him, and I hope he doesn't, like, you know, the same way. So I just let him be his own person. Cool, man. Love that. So I know you recently had a shoulder injury. So
1: tell the audience about the shoulder injury. And maybe, you know, you said that you have a a callous mind from the, the knee injury. So how has this rehab process been
0: compared to the knee? Okay, so first off, I tore my labrum in my shoulder, and I believe that it was actually, I believe it was torn in high school, but it wasn't as bad back then. But it's because, you know, I'm left-handed, and it's common with a lot of overhead sports, volleyball, swimming, etc. through, you know, the, the constant repetitions on my serve. You know, the serve was the best part of my game. I put a lot of spin on it, and i it, it's basically like throwing a baseball or football as hard as you can, like, hundreds of times. That's just what happens. So when I had the torn labrum, and I was going through the surgery, I just noticed How different I felt in like the medical clothes and like on the bed waiting for surgery. Like, I felt like so much more confident. Like, this is easy. It's just a time thing. It's going to take six to eight months. Six months is next week, actually, you know, for it to heal. But I know that like I am having the knee experience. I'm like, what can a shoulder do to me? Like, I already know that I can take this. And that's kind of what I was saying to you before. It's like when you have such a, and this is a quote I said on the other podcast, how can my branches ascend to heaven if I'm not rooted in hell? So when you, when you take yourself down there, you know that you're so much more capable. So when you have something that's less, you, when you compare it to what you've already done, you already realize the strength that you have.
1: Yeah. Perspective is a powerful thing, man, for sure. You just gotta be, have the, I guess, look internally enough to realize that, all right, this is a low point, but it's going to give me perspective and it'll be that much easier going forward. You know, it'll never be this bad. Cool, man. So now you're you're big into YouTube and, and I know you're like super consistent with it, which I know from the podcast perspective is like hard to to, to maintain the consistency and put content out constantly. So tell us a little bit more about, I guess, how Lofermental came about, what the you know, the name obviously, and what your goal is with that, and maybe how it's helped you in this transformation or this piece of your transformation.
0: First off, when I went through my first uh, knee surgery, I was really into reading, like I like I've said a couple of times. So I made an Instagram account called Lofro Reads. It was basically just like I would read a book and I would kind of like, it would just like initially I'd post a picture of a book and I would just write what I thought about it. And then it slowly evolved into me making videos and me talking about it. Right. And then I just realized like you're saying like, holy cow, like I wake up with such optimism six of the seven days of the week, if not every day. So why not like start getting on my phone and start sharing that? So on my Instagram, like I just, if I wake up, I'm like, and if I'm feeling You know what? Like, this is an awesome day to get better. Like, come on, guys. Like, let's do it or whatever. Like, whatever my message is for the day, I'm vulnerable enough and true enough to myself to post it and come to find like people need that. Right. And I can't tell you how many people I know, like, man, like that video really helped me or like the text I get or whatever. So going into YouTube, it's more of like, like I said to you before, I'm so into my mindset and approach and habits and consistency. And I know just from people around me, it's not common for people my age, but there are people my age who are looking to get better. There are people my age who hang around wrong people and do wrong things, not because they're bad people, but because they're misguided and they, they don't have the, the approach. So it's like, okay, I have a perspective and and experiences that have founded who I am. So why don't I get on YouTube, learn how to edit, learn how to record, learn how to shoot a shot, which I'm still not great at, but I will be. How many more videos is it going to take? It'll happen at some point, right? So for me, it's just kind of like, I know intrinsically that my content is good. I know it's from my heart and I know as corny as it sounds, and I know that people want and need to hear it. So I'm just like, I'm saying, just balancing that internal, making sure like I want my channel to grow and I'm sure you want your podcast to grow, but it's really just making sure that like, I make every piece of content I put out. It's what I believe in it, I'm not just putting out a BS video. It, I would rather not post than post a bad one. So, you know, and it's cool now because like I get messages, like I got a message from a dude in Italy. And he's like, dude, like I watched your video. It changed my life. Like I thank you or like a message from the Netherlands or South Africa or Germany and it's like dude like my my I don't even know who I'm touching with this video. I don't even know who this is going to impact. I don't know the 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 positive change that this can have. So damn it, I'm going to post it. I'm going to post it. I'm going to leave myself vulnerable and I'm going to speak my truth and I know because we're all human it's going to hit someone and it's going to help them. So that's what you and I are in it for. That's it. Yeah. I love it. And it's that thirst for progress too.
1: I, I think that's what I, I hear in your voice too. And it's fun. Like progress is fun. Even if it's just like a little incremental piece that you're getting a little better at, but that's awesome. So, all right. So as we kind of wind down the conversation here, where can people find you online?
0: Right. Okay. So my Instagram and my YouTube channel are both low mental. That's L O F R O mental. I bet you guys know how to spell that both of them. So yeah, if you guys would like to see my content or check it out, I would really appreciate it. So as you know, especially my YouTube, I post six to seven times a week, I'm trying to post every day. And I try to do things that are out of the box, you know, that are unique content that like, for example, like I made a video of me like raking leaves, or like me like and turning it into a lesson, just like, just what I see, I'm just trying to give my perception to the world. And if you resonate with it, awesome. If you don't more power to you, whatever it is. Love it, man.
1: I'll definitely link those up for for everyone and I'll shout you out on my my social channels. This is how I end all my interviews. Uh, it's with the, the last question of what's your
0: definition of toughness? All right. My definition of toughness is regardless of what's going on, keeping your focus. And I talk a lot on my channel about the path, right? So I think a lot of people with COVID or whatever, like it's easy. To play the victim, it's easy to to blame external factors for why you can't do something. But at the end of the day, oh, I don't have a gym. That's your excuse. You can do push ups. You can do pull ups, whatever. Like toughness is finding a way. Like that is toughness to me. It is regardless of what's happening. It might not be what you want, but it's what you need. Like it's like, okay, I might not be able to work out right now. My shoulder's out. Six weeks rest. I can walk. I can stretch. I can read. I can check in. just toughness in a definition is, regardless of what it is, maintaining progress and going forward and just, just keeping that mindset. That's what it is.
1: 19 years old, folks. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, that was awesome, uh, Ben. And I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story and your insight. And I think, you know, I honestly can't even remember the last time I had like an interview where like I was as not engaged. I always try to be engaged, but I mean like back and forth, like we were just talking like and before we were talking for like an hour. You know, so I had fun doing it. I hope you did too. And
0: uh, I did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it.